I'm in good company in the Bible because uh, uh, Peter, amongst others, um, used to say that I'm just going to remind you, I need to just remind you about some of these things. So I'm just going to remind you about some things this morning, uh, what I want to share. I want to talk about uh, Holy Spirit. I want to talk about um, baptism in the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I do believe in the days that we're living in now, there is a distinct uh, a d- difference in the church. Th- that those moving by with the power of the Holy Spirit, those moving in their own power, own strength, or own ability, or in the flesh. Amen. And um, the, th- those of us who God's loving and wanting to move in the Holy Spirit, God's wanting to, to um, move mightily. God's wanting to, to move in us and, and use us mightily in these last days. Amen. So if you can hear, if you just like give yourself a Holy Spirit shake and, uh, and then say, right, okay, I'm ready to hear. Open your hearts. Even if you've heard it before, just listen to it again. Get it down, embedded inside of there because God wants to bring a harvest of uh, righteousness and fruit coming out of our lives in the days ahead. Amen. So I want to talk about uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit just to kind of every single one of us make sure it's entrenched in our understanding. How many of us know that there's, um, um, you get born again, Holy Spirit comes uh, and encounters your life, you get born again, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something separate. Amen. We should all know this and get this down pat in our lives. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in itself, if you want an understanding, I've said that you can, uh, I can give you this glass of water here this morning, you can drink it. That's when you get born again. Um, then you, the water comes inside of you, but if you go and jump in the pool, then you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get immersed. Amen. If you've got a five uh, liter uh, tin of paint, you put a hole on the one side, put a hole on the other side, take a dowel stick, and you shove the dowel stick through the paint and you pull it out the other side, what do you get? Let's say it's a, paint, a, a tin of white paint. As you pull it out, you just, the whole dowel is covered in white paint, amen? You can't see the dowel. All you can see is the paint. The dowel is still there. It's been baptized in the paint, amen? Okay, you with me? Just helping us get an understanding. If you turn with me to John chapter 4, I just want to start there quickly. Um, let me uh, encourage every single one of us and get this understanding that um, g- how many know that God is three persons? God is three persons, but one God. If you understand it, then you're probably brilliant and you need to explain it to the rest of us. But it's a, it's a difficult understanding, but that is, it, there's three persons, but it's one God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all work together. They're all God. They're all co-equal, co-powerful, but they have different functions. Amen. If you want to understand God and uh, how they operate all together, just think of this illustration to help us. Uh, think of Eskim or, or the, the electricity company. That's God the Father. Think of the switch. That's Jesus. And think of the wire of the electricity going to the bulb. The bulb is you, by the way. Um, the, the wire that goes to the bulb is the Holy Spirit. God is the power. Jesus put the switch on. All the promises of God are yes and amen. The switch is on. And the current is flowing, and the uh, Holy Spirit's the one who brings the current to our lives. Amen? How many know that when we come before the Lord in prayer, we come before the Father through Jesus Christ? Amen? You can talk to God the Father, you can call, talk to God the Son, and you can talk to God the Holy Spirit. No problem. We can have fellowship with all three of them. But when we come before the Lord, we are, we come to, when we encounter God in prayer, we are talking to the Father through Jesus Christ, and we receive 
by the Holy Spirit. That's why Holy Spirit is so important. Because you can be coming to God the Father through Jesus Christ, but if you do not know Holy Spirit, if you have no relationship with Holy Spirit, if there's no understanding and flow with Holy Spirit, you battle to receive. For a large part of the people in the church today, it's not so much that they don't have understanding about Father and Son, it's that they have no understanding about Holy Spirit. Amen? So you receive because you understand and know and flow in Holy Spirit. God's wanting us to have fellowship and a communion with Holy Spirit. Amen? So let me just quickly give you some understanding. If we go to John chapter 4, Connor talked about it last week. I just want to launch off from there. Just in John chapter 4, it's the woman at the well, and Jesus is sitting there, and she's asking about, um, uh, he asks her for a drink, and then, and then she says, um, Jesus says, to everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus is talking about, if you ask me, then I'm going to give you water that you'll never thirst again. How many know he's not talking about physical? He's talking about the spiritual realm. He's talking about a soul that's thirsty and hungry, a soul that's disturbed, a soul that's not at peace, a soul that's always longing, striving. He's saying, if you will, if you will ask of me, then I will give you water and then he explains the water, it's like, it'll come, like a fountain, it'll come forth, a fountain, a fountain of eternal life. He's talking about the born again experience. He's talking about when you encounter Jesus Christ and you receive from him, then he fills your thirst so that you're no longer thirsty, you're settled, you're at peace. Now go to John chapter 7. And do a little teaching before we just let Holy Spirit have some fun this morning. Then John chapter 7, Jesus, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, church, we must understand it's got to have been important if Jesus stands up in the middle of the feast and cries out. I don't know if you've had anybody wherever you've been and you've been in the flea market or been somewhere or in some mall or in, in, in Santon Square or, or Monte Casino Square, wherever you've been, wherever, and some guy stands up and starts shouting. He's either, or actually there's something important that he wants to say. Listen to what he wants to say. He says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It sounds like John 4. Right? Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We'll come back to Jesus not, not yet being glorified. But he says here, he's talking about the spirit of God, and he says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. How many know that he talked about a fountain, and now he's talking about rivers flowing? How many know they're different? There's two different things that he's sharing here. One is the born-again experience of Christ and the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, rejuvenating our lives again, making us alive again. And the other one is the total immersion and baptism in the Holy Spirit that rivers will begin to flow. One is a fountain of life, 
Where there was nothing, now there's a fountain of life. The other one is rivers flowing out from our lives. Amen. John, uh, keep moving, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Jesus appearing to the disciples after he has been raised from the dead. Um, on the evening of that day, if you're reading from verse uh, 19, I think it is, um, on that evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood among them, said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That is just one of the most beautiful and most powerful statements in the Bible. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he does something. He says, receive. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes into the room and he breathes on them and he says, receive Holy Spirit. Why did he breathe on them? In, in the beginning in Genesis, God breathed life and made man a living being. He breathed life into him. When he came to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve, they ate from that tree. The Bible says, God said, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. When they ate from that tree, they didn't die physically, but they surely did die. What they did die, friends, they died, the breath of God went out. Jesus comes back to restore and he goes, now that he's risen from the dead, and he comes back to them and he says, he breathes on them and says, receive Holy Spirit. He brings back the breath of God back into man through the Holy Spirit. Now go to Luke chapter 24. Now you've got the, 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 the guys um, walking to Emmaus and Jesus comes and he starts walking next to them. They start talking, they share with one another um, and they're amazed as he unfolds the scriptures and they're so amazed that they run and tell the other disciples, all the disciples. And then um, verse uh, 30 uh, something, <laughs> 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Um, but they were startled and frightened, and he said, you know, don't be troubled. And uh, then he explains to them, these are the words that I've spoken to you, um, all that I shared with you. He explains all of that. Um, it goes on in verse uh, 48. You are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, so now Jesus comes and he appears to them and to all the disciples and then he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He restores it back. Then he appears to them and he says to them, you must stay in Jerusalem because you're gonna receive the promise of the Father and he is gonna empower you from on high. Friends, there's two different things here. Getting it? Two different things here. One, Born again, Holy Spirit comes, makes us alive, brings back the breath of God inside of us. Two, Holy Spirit comes to empower us, to clothe us, not only to come upon us, but to come inside of us. Amen. Okay, just quickly go to Acts chapter 1. 
Acts chapter 1, we can just read from uh, verse 4. And while um, saying, while staying with them, <laughs> he ordered them not to, I need glasses. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said and heard, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, not many days from now. And if you just jump to verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's talking about this event that's going to happen where the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and fill them, right? Just flick over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and um, rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's now the, the Holy Spirit came. Jesus breathed on them, receive Holy Spirit, makes them come alive. We receive God, we get born again, Holy Spirit comes into our lives and makes us alive again. When, you, when, when, when God breathed on Adam, he became a living being. Jesus Christ, the second Adam, is a life-giving spirit. God breathes on us to make us come alive again and restore back his breath. Holy Spirit comes and baptizes us with fire. Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. When he baptized Holy Spirit and fire, we become a life-giving spirit. Amen. Flick over to uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, you can, it's all about the incredible encounter uh, that, that God has with the, um, the city of Samaria. In the area there, God just does an, a, a miracle. And, um, and uh, you can read there from verse uh, 8 or around about there, or no, 9. Um, and uh, how God does a miracle, people are getting saved, um, and uh, the whole city basically gets saved, Samaria, right? Now reading from verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Now just it's a simple statement, but let me just give you a quick clarity and understanding on that. You're talking about 35 to 50 miles away. Talking about 56 to 80 kilometers so Jerusalem hears that the word of God has come and all this group of people have been saved and they now need to send two people all that way to them. And they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here's a group of people that they have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What baptism is he talking about? It's talking about water baptism. They've been baptized in water. It means they've been born again. Amen. If you study the Bible, you'll realize and understand that every single time a person got born again, they were baptized immediately. 
Baptism was synonymous to what was happening in the born again experience. It wasn't something that happened a whole bunch later. The reason why we do it a whole bunch later now, church, is because uh, salvation has become an entrance and a ticket to heaven. Once salvation becomes an entrance, a ticket to heaven, a little bit of an insurance policy against that, then we don't really need baptism because baptism, friends, is a, signif- is, a, is, a, is a sign of a death, a burial, and a resurrection. So that's why when they got born again, they got baptized straight away. There was an illustration that they were, because they had died to themselves and are living for God. As the church realizes and more and more as it comes into the reality that when we get born again, friends, that we die and we're resurrected in Christ, a life transformed and changed, friends, we will baptize people more and more straight away. Hence, we are looking to buy a little pool that we're gonna put in the front of the church. So you can get born again and baptized straight away. We will immerse you immediately. We hold you down until all the nonsense does end. No, no. <laughs> Thank God Jesus does that work. We just, we just baptize. Amen. But here's this group of people. They have been baptized in water. They have been born again. They received. But the church in Jerusalem sends Peter and John all that way, friends, 50, 60, 70, 80 kilometers, sends it all that way to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Come on, church, we've got to understand something here, that there's a difference between the two, and one is extremely vital to join with the other one. God is trying to emphasize here that you cannot do this thing without Holy Spirit. You're born again. Jesus breathes on you. It says, receive Holy Spirit. He says, don't go anywhere. You must tarry and wait until you receive Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is vital for what we are called to do. Amen. Not just born again, friends, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Moving right along, Acts chapter 9. We go to Acts chapter 9. You know, Paul, Paul gets knocked off his horse. Um, God speaks to him, his encounter with him, then he gets struck blind, and he goes off to Damascus, and then uh, Ananias is the lucky one uh, who gets to go and speak to him. The guy that breathes fire and kills Christians, he's now get told to go and talk to him, and uh, with fear and trembling, off he goes to be obedient. And so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. He rose and he was baptized. What baptism when he rose, what baptism are you talking about? Baptism in water. Ananias prays for him, Holy Spirit falls on him, anoints him, realizes, hold on a minute, he's, if he's received Holy Spirit, he's born again, find some water. It's interesting. Okay, moving along, Acts chapter 10, we can just keep going through the Bible, it's really a nice book. So Acts chapter 10, it's a beautiful story, Peter's on the roof, the sheet comes down, and this, he's in a trance, this vision comes down, there's a whole bunch of unclean stuff, and God says, eat of it, and he says, are you mad? Um, there's no ways I'm going to eat of that unclean, and, and he says, don't spe- say what, speak of what, I, what you say is unclean. God's t- telling him something. What's happening is there's a Gentile's, in a Gentile's house, God's busy doing it. 
a work with Cornelius, right? You know, I haven't got time to go read Acts chapter 10. It'll tell you the whole story. And then so Peter, God then says to Peter, you need to go there. Now, Peter would never have gone there if he hadn't had that encounter and that dream because they were Gentiles. And he was a Jew. They were considered unclean, right? Never mind. Carrying on. Um, while Peter was still saying these things, so Peter goes there, begins to share the word of God. While he was still saying these things, guess what? The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Wow. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter goes there. He's still talking. I love that. Such an encouragement to me. He's still talking. I don't know how long he was talking, but he's still talking. I'm still talking. And while he's talking, Holy Spirit just falls on all of these Gentiles. God just says, here, boom, bam, Gentiles. Woo. Peter looks at it. They're all amazed. They're going, good grief. This gift is for the Gentiles. It's for everybody. And then Peter says, can we, after seeing the Holy Spirit on them, can any of us withhold water? Can anyone withhold them from now being baptized in water? Because they're born again because Holy Spirit has come upon them. Two different things, friends. Not necessarily in some significant little order, friends. The Holy Spirit falls on them and they begin to speak in other tongues, power of God's upon them. Then they are born again. And he says, now can anyone withhold? Let's, but isn't it interesting, as soon as they're born again, immediately what's the first thought? Baptism in water. Because baptism in water signifies something, friends. This is important. I'm trying to re-emphasize it and re-emphasize it through the Word of God. Every single time, friends, baptism in water is about dying to self and raising again your life newness to Christ in the way of the Spirit. When you die to self, and you raise the newness of life, you glorify the Son. Do you know what was so important about Pentecost? Okay, you don't, not there yet. Okay, John chapter seven, just go back to John chapter seven. I'll go back there and you can just, I'll just read it. Let me just read it again. It says this. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Friends, the whole emphasis on Pentecost. Let me, let me read uh, Pentecost. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 quickly. I'll read that to you as well. If you just go to Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up, begins to share what's happening at Pentecost. Uh, if you read verse 32, then Jesus... Um, Peter's saying, this Jesus God raised, God raised up, as of, of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeking and hearing. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. 
He's explaining and he's under, the understanding of Pentecost and, that, and the Holy Spirit coming is because Jesus Christ was exalted above every single other name. Jesus Christ now sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ, the one whom you crucified, has now become Lord and Christ, King. Amen. So you see, the whole emphasis of Pentecost, friends, is about Jesus Christ being glorified. Holy Spirit can't come until Jesus Christ is glorified. When you get born again, friends, and you die to yourself and you get raised again in Christ, friends, Jesus Christ is glorified, Holy Spirit comes. So when Holy Spirit falls on a whole bunch of people, friends, as soon as Holy Spirit falls on a bunch of people, they realize Holy Spirit would not come unless Christ was glorified. Come on. But understand this. You want fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you want to operate, you want to move in the Holy Spirit, then get Christ glorified. Relationship with Jesus. You elevate Jesus, you honor Jesus, Holy Spirit comes. Woo. Let's just keep going in Acts because we can. We want to and we like it. So let's just carry on going. Let's go to Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Help us, Lord, Tom. Acts chapter 19. I want to actually share something else that's even more powerful, but Acts chapter 19. And, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, please understand and read the word as it is it's not some little fairy story. Understand, Paul is going through the countryside. He's on his way and he's going to Ephesus and he comes across a bunch of believers. And the question that he asks them is, hey, how are you guys doing, whatever, and that how's thing, how's life, whatever? No. He said, did you receive Holy Spirit? Friends, there's something important here. We've got to catch this. We've got to understand this. That is straight away, if you've been born again, have you received Holy Spirit? He's vital to what you're called to do, to operate in the power and the presence of God for everything that you need. Oh, you need Holy Spirit. His first question, friends, of all the questions he could have asked them, think about it in the natural, of all the questions Paul could have asked them when he came across them, friends, he asked them, did you receive Holy Spirit? And what did they say? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. He goes, ah, okay, I understand that. Because Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come. So he's telling them, John was saying, you need to repent. You need to believe in the one who is to come. Now I'm gonna tell you, Jesus has come. That is Jesus, to believe in the one that has come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Woo, it's powerful. This is such a beautiful understanding and illustration for us. It comes along. First question, say, how are you doing? How's life? How's your kids? How's your mother? How's your father? How's your wife? No. Have you received Holy Spirit? N no, I don't know about Holy Spirit. Uh, well, what, what have you been baptized into? I've been baptized into the baptism of John. Oh, that's a baptism of repentance. But John said, 
I'll baptize you with water. The one who's coming after me is gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And the one who came after me is Jesus. He's come already. Now let me baptize you into Christ and let me lay hands and release Holy Spirit with fire. Amen. So just because we can, let's go to uh, Luke, Luke chapter 11. Because we have fingers and we love the Word of God. Luke chapter 11, it's a lovely scripture. Just help us today. I'll say this reading from verse 8. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Don't you? I love that. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. There's a willingness here and an emphasis. If you ask, you're gonna receive, amen? And then he says this. For everyone who, who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? For if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask yourself the question, why do you need to ask for Him if it's automatically yours when you get born again? Those who ask, receive. So what's God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us that this is so vital that in every single instance throughout the early church, when they encountered Jesus Christ and they got born again, he told the disciples, don't go anywhere until you receive Holy Spirit. When others got born again, this is now we're talking about 30, 40 years after Jesus' resurrection. 40 years later, people are getting born again. So it's not for today, it was only for at Pentecost. Read your Bible. So 40 years later, people are getting born again. They're encountering Jesus Christ and they're receiving him. Holy Spirit's breathing on them. Spirit man is coming alive. And then he's saying, have you received Holy Spirit? Because if you haven't received Holy Spirit, it's vital that you receive Holy Spirit. I'm prepared to go by a foot or camel or donkey for 80 kilometers so that you would receive Holy Spirit. It's gotta be very, 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 very important, friends. It's gotta be so important that Paul, when he comes across believers in an unknown territory, he asked them straight away, have you received Holy Spirit? And then he's telling us that he's a father and that he knows how to, you evil know how to give good gifts. How much more does he know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And he tells you, if you ask, you will receive. This morning, friends, if you have not received Holy Spirit, if you ask, you will receive. Amen. And let me tell you also about Holy Spirit. In, 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 in Colossians chapter two, Courtney was leading the prayer meeting and she read it with her. Uh, and I love, I love when God just confirms that, is in, in, in verse six it says, as you've received him, so walk ye in him. How did you receive him? In Ephesians chapter two tells us by grace, through faith. How do you receive Holy Spirit? By grace. You don't earn, you don't have to work for Holy Spirit, you don't have to do something to achieve. Okay, now I think, I think I'm good enough, or I've got my act together, now I can receive Holy Spirit. You receive him by grace, it's because of the grace of God, and then you receive him by faith, friends. 
When it comes to Holy Spirit, too much teaching going on, whatever, there's a whole lot of wiggly, waggly, wogglies and, uh, and shimmies and, and all kinds of things. The reality is, friends, when you receive Holy Spirit, you receive Him by faith. And we can see here many instances, friends, the evidence that they were seeing was tongues. Friends, there's not conclusive evidence to say that if you, if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't received Holy Spirit. As you receive Holy Spirit by faith, so you have received Holy Spirit. Well, evidence of speaking other tongues is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's lovely to have it. Why wouldn't you want it? Let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. says this, verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Woo. Why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> what a beautiful thing. I, I, I don't speak to men, I speak to God. I get tongues. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm uttering mysteries in the spirit to God. Just between me and God. You haven't got a clue what I'm saying. It's a mystery, me and God. And I'm speaking in the spiritual realm. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Wow, we have the ability when we operate in the spirit and we speak in tongues to build ourselves up and just quickly carrying on to let's go to verse 12 13 says therefore one who speaks in a tongue should also pray for the power to interpret for if i pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful so when we pray in tongues the bible says for if i pray in a tongue who prays I pray. So Holy Spirit doesn't grab you. No, I pray in a tongue, right? So he's not going to grab hold of you. you. You pray. But if I do pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So when I'm praying before the Lord and I'm praying in my heavenly language, it's a mystery. Nobody else can understand it. My mind is unfruitful. I'm praying, but I'm praying in the spirit to the Lord. Well, who wouldn't want that beautiful language, friends? But if you don't even have that, that language, friends, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, friends, it's about grace through faith. It's a faith that receiving the Holy Spirit has come upon me because I can't do without Holy Spirit. And let tongues be a, a, something that will just automatically happen. It's a beautiful story that I heard about uh, a young lady who um, just got baptized in the Holy Spirit, never was able to speak in tongues, and um, one day she was in, in huge difficulty, and she didn't know how to pray, and she was just saying, oh God, I don't know what words to say, and she just said, oh, and tongues came. But she'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit for a whole bunch of time. Friends, tongues were always inside her, but it just got released. Amen, you might be sitting here today, and you've never spoken in tongues, but just let tongues be released. But what I want to share with you is, is that this is vital, friends, because it's a relationship with Holy Spirit that we need. So when you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, let's just go there, just flick over if you were, to 1 Corinthians 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, right, right at the end of the chapter, verse, I think it's verse 14, says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you 
all, all, be with you all. What he's trying to emphasize here, and you can, if you flick quickly to uh, Philippians, again, just to two scriptures that confirm it. Philippians chapter two, verse one. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any fellowship in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. God's poured out his love towards us. The grace of Jesus Christ enabled us, but it comes through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us have got to have fellowship with Holy Spirit. Now, understand this. There is... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, right? The understanding that he's trying to explain here is that the love of the Father, friends, comes through the grace of Jesus Christ and is received by us through the communion or fellowship of Holy Spirit. All three are vital for us to walk in the fullness that God's called us to do. All three of them are vital that we do what God's called us to do and achieve what God's called us to do. You need the fellowship and the relationship with Holy Spirit. And just as God is three persons, the Holy Spirit is a person, right? If the Holy Spirit is a person, friends, he has a personality. You don't just have communion with the Holy Spirit once off. You don't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit just once off. He's just like everybody else. I can't get to know Jane by just meeting Jane once or once a month, or having coffee with her twice a month, or three times a month. I've got to constantly be in communion with her so that I can understand who she is and have fellowship and understand what Holy Spirit's come to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we haven't got time to go there, verse 17 tells me that when, uh, when I get born again, I become one with the Lord, I become one with His Spirit. The Spirit and I come together, there is a co-union, there is a communion with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and I become one. When Holy Spirit and I become one, understand this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. If God is for us, then God is three persons. God the Father is for us, God the Son is for us, and God the Holy Spirit is for us. Most people, they understand God the Father is for us, God, God the Son is for us, but we're not sure about God the Holy Spirit because he's a dove and he flies away all the time. Friends, he's not a dove and he does not fly away all the time. He is a person. He is Jesus and he has become into communion and fellowship with you and he loves to be with you. He loves you. Let me read it. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, you can read it. Read it. Uh, read any, any part of John chapter 17. It's very good. But let's just jump to <laughs> verse 23. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. God is explicitly telling us that just as God loves Jesus, his son, so he loves us, right? Okay, jumping to uh, uh, John 15. John 15. You can just read for short, quick short, is verse eight. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So the Father, completely in love with us. The Son, completely in love with us. Go to Romans Romans chapter five, 
Therefore, since you have been justified, verse 1, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God the Father loves us passionately. God the Son loves us passionately. God the Holy Spirit loves us passionately. So now that we're sitting, uh, let's go back to John. Let's just have a quick look. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he says here, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Alos parakletos. Alos in the Greek is a very important word. Alos, it means different but the same. There's another Greek word that he could have used would have been completely different in every single way, but he used the word alos, which means different, but exactly the same. Alos parakletos, which simply means another helper, another advocate, another counselor. Friends, if he's, and then if you read, oh, let me, let me just read another scripture before, and then we can, and I'll wrap it up. John chapter 16. Uh, reading from verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he's gonna do something. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they did not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is telling you it's to our advantage that he goes away. Why? Because if he, wherever Jesus was, you, only those guys that were in his vicinity and that could be around him could actually touch him, experience him, but it was to our advantage that he he goes away because if, if he goes away, he's able to send the helper. So Holy Spirit, friends, is a counselor. He's a helper. He's a spirit of truth. He wants to come and declare to you the things that are to come. That's why working with Holy Spirit, a relationship with Holy Spirit, you can know the things to come. Amen. You don't have to wait for a prophet, friends. You just have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you the things to come. But he's telling you here, it's to your advantage that I go away. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and he loves you so much, but it's to your advantage that I go away. So if it's my advantage that I go away, if he loves me so much, friends, why would he sit my advantage to send Holy Spirit who doesn't love me? He sends Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit's passionately in love with you as well. And he's called the helper. He comes to help, friends. He doesn't come to come and batter you and, hey, hello, and you wake up and do. He comes because he wants to help you. We are called to be led by him. We're called to have fellowship with him. We're called to hear him. He wants to be our helper. He wants to be our comforter. He wants to be our advocate. He wants to come around us, surround us, lead us, help us. 
He wants us to have fellowship and relationship with him every single day, friends, every single moment. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, pray without ceasing. I don't walk around the whole day. No, friends, he's not saying pray without ceasing. It means you have to talk, friends. You have to pray without ceasing in communion with Holy Spirit. When you're looking at me now, I might be not doing anything, but I'm having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's talking to me. Amen. There's a relationship that's being developed here, friends, because he tells us something here, and I'm dropping it out. It's the bomb, and I, I haven't got time to deal with it today, and we'll fix the bomb later, but I'm going to give you a cracker. The bomb that I'm just going to drop out here very quickly is simply this. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Friends, the Bible says he'll convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Friends, are you in the world? My Bible tells me, friends, that I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. So when he's talking about convicting the world, friends, he's not talking about believers. See, we think Holy Spirit, what Holy Spirit's job is to go around convicting you of sin and righteousness. You see, you mucked up, whatever, get your act together, righteousness and judgment. You're gonna get judged, buddy. You're gonna cook. So, whoa, I'm a little bit nervous of Holy Spirit. I wanna come to the Father. Oh, I know you love me, and Jesus, thank you. I can come through Jesus, his blood. Oh, no matter what, Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, I'm a bit nervous. It's a lie of the enemy because it's, he's the one who's here, friends. Can I say this? The Father and the Son are up in heaven. They will seem very far from you if you don't have communion and fellowship with Holy Spirit. He brings them near. He's the one, friends. That's why it says yeah, he, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Understand this very categorically. I believe this with all my heart. You can have a differing opinion. It's fine. But I understand this. I do not believe, I cannot find a scripture in the Bible where the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Now, you go, oh, where's that in the Bible? I just told us. Okay, read the next verse. The next verse says this. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Holy Spirit comes to convict the world, not believers, the world of what? Unbelief in Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to convict, friends. You go, well, how do we get convicted? You and I get convicted, friends, because the Holy Spirit and my spirit have become one. Because I have been transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am now a new person in Christ. I have a new identity in Him. I am totally new. And my new identity and who I am, friends, convicts me when I do not operate the way I should. Don't need Holy Spirit to come, friends. What you need Holy Spirit is to be your helper and your comforter in that time. Now, I know it's a cracker, and I know the majority of the church don't believe this, but friends, when they get to heaven, they're going to find out I'm right. Because Holy Spirit, friends, is not somebody that's here, gone here, gone here. He's with us all the time because He loves us. Friends, He knows exactly who we are. And He's come to stay, and He's come to encourage us and strengthen us because His name is Helper. And we've got to love and embrace Him and say, He's not schizophrenic, He's not jumping around, friends, and just because I sin, He comes alongside me. And when the conviction of, God, of, of, of my spirit man hits me, friends, I need a comforter to help me to receive the grace of God and to operate in the love of God. That's when he comes alongside. I wish I could unpack it a lot better, but just listen to this. It says, when he comes, you convict the world 
not believers, the world, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they did not believe, so he convicts the world of unbelief in Jesus Christ. Friends, why is the world going to hell? Not because of their sin. Jesus Christ died for their sin. They're going to hell because of unbelief in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's come to convict them of the one sin that will keep them out of heaven. Unbelief. So what do we do? We come and we preach the gospel and help them believe in the one. Amen. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And in terms of righteousness, not about your righteousness. He's not convicting about righteousness, friends. What he's convicting them about is, friends, no matter how hard they try, they're never going to be righteous. But there's a gift of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit's come to do. And then it says about judgment that the, the devil, the enemy has been judged, friends. Not that, whoo, you're gonna be judged. The enemy has been judged. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you give your life over to him, he will give you the gift of righteousness. And then the devil's already been judged, friends. You can live with a freedom and an ability to not have this weightiness and fear of death, but to celebrate death and to say, listen, because nothing can take away what God has given me. See, Holy Spirit comes to do that, friends. The Bible says the law was given for those in the world because the law, friends, to an unbeliever, the law, friends, convicts them because they know that they fail all the time. But to a believer, friends, the law changes. To a believer, suddenly the law is now a witness to the righteousness of God by faith. So to an unbeliever, the law is condemning them. Holy Spirit is telling them, you can't be righteous, you're failing, you need Jesus Christ. Accept the Lord so that you can be saved, your unbelief. The Holy Spirit's doing that to an unbeliever. To a believer, the Lord turns around and now begins to witness to the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. You want a scripture, Romans chapter three? Romans chapter three, you can read it there quickly, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. So friends, the law is there and it's convicting. Convicting the world, unbelievers. You guys, your righteousness is... You fail once, you fail in every single area, you're not gonna be able to make it. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. The law points us to Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit's exalting Jesus Christ. He's glorified. He's the one, the law is pointing to the unbeliever. To the believer, friends, the law is actually pointing and a witness to righteousness that comes by faith, a free gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. So when it comes to Holy Spirit now, friends, fellowship and relationship with Holy Spirit Yes, we are convicted of our sin. Yes, God wants us to um, not sin and operate. That's why you, if you preach this right, friends, that's why when you preach this right, the Bible actually says, Paul says, so what then shall we sin? That should be the question you're asking. Then I'm not preaching it right. I'll preach it even stronger. You should be going like, well, what are you saying? It doesn't matter if we sin. No, God's saying that don't concentrate on sin. Concentrate on Christ. Holy Spirit can move and operate when we elevate Christ, when he is glorified, when we honor him, friends, when we lift him up and we exalt him, Holy Spirit comes. We have fellowship with Holy Spirit as we honor him, that Jesus Christ, once and for all, died for every single one of our sins, friends. 
And he's not there in my life picking on the sins and telling me, fix this, fix that, and convicted about this and convicted about that. And just a nitpicker. Friends, he came as a helper and a counselor. He's in my life to help me, to counsel me. Every single day I wake up in the morning and I go, good morning, Holy Spirit. Wow, what a privilege to operate and to, and to, to know that today I've got you right next to me. He's not scared. He's not, not going to freak out if I did sin during that day. I just say, thank you, Lord, that that's not who I am. It's my identity. Thank you for what Jesus did. As I exalt Jesus Christ, he deals with that in my life. So as I walk along in this journey, he's dealing with that, friends, and I stop doing that because it's not who I am. But I don't get stuck. I keep going in him because I've got Holy Spirit. I've got fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to him. Friends, he says, when we talk to him, you talk to him, you can talk in the Holy Spirit, you can sing in the Holy Spirit. I talk and say, hey, Holy Spirit, it's wonderful. Thank you that you're here. Help me today. I've got some decisions to make. I know. Thank you that you're my helper. Thank you that you lead me. Um, thank you that you bring to my remembrance everything. Thank you that you, you, so you don't have to worry about trying to remember well, what was said and what, what the, so Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me. Oh, love you, Jesus. I'm having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And he's leading me and he's helping me. Come on. That's what a relationship with the Holy Spirit means. Now when you've got that happening, friends, he's beginning to talk to you. Now I want to encourage you. Holy Spirit's not tricky and not all. So Holy Spirit operates inside of you because you are the temple of Holy Spirit. So guess what? He operates inside of the same two ears that you have. So your brain, when he operates there, he operates the same. So when you're getting thoughts in your head, you just got to discern. And when you fellowship and understand Holy Spirit, you can tell which thoughts is his. Jane went down to her mom's place and she was busy there and mom's whatever. And then um, she was phoning me and she was just saying, I don't know what's going on. And um, her mom um, suffers with high blood pressure. And um, as she was talking to me, whatever, I just felt a, a voice come inside of me and say, she's got low blood pressure. So I said, you know, why don't they check it out, whatever, and that her mom's got, I think her mom's got, got a problem with low blood pressure. Just a thought, same thought that you have, just discerning to know, okay, uh, that's what God's saying. Uh, she's got, she suffers from high blood pressure. Go to the doctor, oh, she's got low blood pressure, and so she's taking blood pressure tablets to bring her blood pressure down. So she's got low, and she's taking tablets to bring it even lower. So no wonder why she's, woohoo. Just the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we cultivate it. I feel like this morning the Holy Spirit says to me, um, left knee. Who's got a problem with the left knee? No one. They've got all problem with right knees. Okay, so maybe just learning. Holy Spirit, hey, it's a knee. Close enough. Amen? We're not trying to be exact. We're trying to listen to Holy Spirit. We're trying to operate in the Holy Spirit. We're trying to move in the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell us things yet to come. We shouldn't be surprised about anything because he's telling us. We're having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're moving in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Bible, I haven't even got to it, but he will, will be what? Empowered. There's power from on high. Friends, what he wants to do is empower us for real life. Not just in a church service, not just to raise the dead and jump out of wheelchairs. In real life, friends, in everything, in your marriage, in your, with your kids and bringing up your kids, with your job, with your friends, with every single area. He wants to have fellowship with you and lead you in every single area of your life so that you triumph in that area, so that you bring the power of God to that area. Amen. Shall we stand? Now that's a long preach, but it's now out. And on the airwaves. Amen. But I want to encourage us as we just pray this morning. I wonder if the band can come just play.
Or, or just stand there and look pretty, I don't know. Just. But I want to pray over us this morning. And you can do it in three seconds. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a whole bunch of time because it's by grace through faith. But if you've not received Holy Spirit this morning, and I'm going to pray that Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you have received Holy Spirit, I, just, I, I pray for an encounter, a fresh encounter and anointing over your life. Pray Holy Spirit will come and encounter you. But if, if there's only one thing that I achieve this morning, then I pray that I have achieved it. And friends, and that's just to ignite in your heart again a relationship and fellowship with Holy Spirit. Because friends, if we sit here today and we say, wow, I can't even read the word, I, I, I just I battle to read the word, then I'll challenge you, get a relationship with Holy Spirit, because He's the one that will reveal the word to you. If you say, well, I battle to remember scriptures, well, Holy Spirit is the one who helps you remember all things. See, Holy Spirit is there to be our helper. He wants to help you and I in our walk with the Lord. He wants you to always know the love of God. He wants you to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Comes through fellowship with Holy Spirit. He is God. If God be for us, who can be against us? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are for us. They love us, every single one of them. Holy Spirit is the one who's here now on this earth. And God, the Father, and God, the Son, will never be far off when you have fellowship with Holy Spirit. Because He's not here to elevate Himself. He's here to elevate Jesus. Give Him rightful place this morning. From now on, just give Him honor. And say, how do I do that? Well, by honoring Jesus, by glorifying Jesus. He operates in our thoughts, so honor Him in your thoughts. Very seldom will the Holy Spirit speak in an audible voice. Most times He speaks in your heart. And when He speaks in your heart, it sounds just like you speaking, because He's operating inside of you and through you. You've just got to learn to discern, which comes with encounters and time with Holy Spirit, when it's His voice. So if that's you this morning and you've been stirred up in your heart, then just in a Posture of submission, if, you, if you're comfortable, let's raise our hands to the Lord. Lord, I just thank you for us as a church, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that we have come to this point today. We were born for such a time as this. It's an encountering point, Father. That from this moment on, you want this church to be an oasis, a place for the presence of the Lord, a place for Holy Spirit to move freely. You want this to be a place where people are yielded, led by Holy Spirit. It's the reason why, friends, you can pray for a sick person 24-7, whether you've read the Word, whether you've spent time with God or not, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, and He has anointed you. You are anointed because of the Holy Spirit. You're not anointed because you did this, that, and the other. And when we understand Holy Spirit, friends, we can pray for people, operate and move in the Holy Spirit every single second of every single day.
So I pray today, Father, that for you to empower us as 24-7, that from this moment on we can go out and be your hands and feet, truly, Lord God, every single waking moment of every single day. I ask that you would awaken our spirits, you would awaken our hearts to the presence of Holy Spirit. I ask Holy Spirit right now, you said if we ask, you will receive. We ask Holy Spirit that you would come right now. Come and anoint, come and fill the people of God. Come and touch every single heart and every single life right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the love of God. And I ask now for that love, Lord, in the name of Jesus and in Jesus Christ to be poured out over every single individual through the Holy Spirit. The love of God poured out into every single heart through the Holy Spirit. Thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you begin to fill and fall on every single person, that you anoint every single person, that you come, Father, that you empower every single person. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That word there in the Greek, continuously, being filled by Holy Spirit, saturated by Holy Spirit, filled with the fullness of God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for an awareness from this moment on of you, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Thank you that as you fill us right now, Lord God, thank you, Father, that we understand that we are in communion, co-union with you, Holy Spirit. We have become one. And as we yield to you, honor you, as we lift up Jesus Christ in our life, as we make him Lord, the minute Jesus is glorified, the minute you make him Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in an incredibly powerful way to lead and to guide us, to help us, and to take us into deeper and further places. But He loves us, and He's always with us, and if you have faith today to believe that, He's not there picking on you all the time and convicting you of sin and challenging you. He's there loving you, wanting you to open your heart and allow Him to help you, allow Him to counsel you. Then, Father, I thank you that today that our hearts and our minds would be changed into a fresh and new understanding in Jesus' name. Pray that those that have never received Holy Spirit, even now as Holy Spirit has come upon them by faith, I thank you, Lord God, that they would venture to just open their mouth and begin to praise the Lord. And, let, and we thank you for the gift of tongues being released and operating on people's lives this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you for our heavenly language. Thank you, Lord God, when we speak in tongues, we edify our, ourselves and our spirit man. Thank you, as we speak in tongues, we speak the mysteries of God. Thank you, as we speak in tongues, we allow Holy Spirit to come, surround us and move on our behalf as we speak those mysteries. He's operating and He's working in our lives, through our lives, in our situations. We release the presence and the power of God to operate when we allow Holy Spirit to move and to operate. So I pray today, I wonder if we, as we just sing, Jane, we can just, uh, if you have never spoken in tongues, just ask the Lord to help you, give you a heavenly language. If you do have a, a heavenly language, let's just, uh, just sing in tongues for a, for a little bit.
uh, just an honoring and loving Holy Spirit, just giving Him rightful place here this morning.